Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. I hope everyone is having a, a lovely day. Man, it is it is just beautiful out there, I think. This is my kind of weather. I know it, uh, the corn maybe doesn't like it so well, but, oh, you know, this is just, you can't beat this kind of weather. I get just excited being outside. It's, so. It feels like fall, doesn't it? But I don't think it's going to last for long, so enjoy while we can. No. No, and I, I stored up enough heat mm-hmm. inside my body that I'm probably uh, I'm going to be all right without a whole lot of hot weather for a while. But again, you know, I know I know the crops need it, and everything else needs it, and we need this for various reasons. But it's nice to have this respite, and um, you know, I realize I went for a walk. I, I love walking. And I walk a lot at night to escape the heat of the day. And I realize that our summer heat is pretty gentle when compared to elsewhere. You know, <laughs> I see Texas and Arizona. But, you know, it's enough for me. But uh, last night and about every night for the last week or so, I've been listening to the descending whinny and an even-pitched trill of an eastern screech owl. And last night, night before last, I watched a beetle under the yard light and a beetle has wing covers they're called elatras or elatras some people will say uh, which usually makes a straight line down its back so if you see an insect with a straight line down its back it's a pretty good chance it's a beetle and one of my favorites was this one it's a tiger beetle and it chases down its prey and it's really fast. I don't know what the, uh, I didn't time this guy, but I'm sure he runs a well, mile and a half an hour or something. But they're little. And the ones, he's fast, but not as fast as an Australian tiger beetle. This guy travels at 5.6 miles per hour. And if we would, uh, gosh, I'm not a mathematician, but if you took his body size and compared it to mine, I'm sure I'd be running 300 miles an hour or some some wicked speed <laughs> like that. They're just incredible little guys. And I saw a skunk last night. He was rooting around with his nose in the soil, and they dig these small funnel-shaped holes in the ground. Raccoons use their paws like hands, digging, lifting, and tearing off chunks of sod and flipping them over to hunt for grubs. And it's as if they're working on a sod farm. I have a uh, window feeder I'm looking at right now. I have a a little one, and I don't know the name of it, but it's really cool. It's suction cupped onto the window, and hummingbirds are coming in and drinking out of this. It has a tiny little hole so nothing else can get in there and bug them very much. Hummingbirds thrill me. They are aggressive jewels, and the hairs on my arms tell me it's a cool sighting each time I catch a glimpse of one. The hairs just go up. And I watch them from my office window here, and I marvel at their maneuverability. And the presence of a single hummingbird makes any scenery stunning. They're just incredible little birds. Oh, I, I should thank the Memory Cafe and everyone on the Pelican Breeze. It was fun being in your company. The Memory Cafe is a wonderful uh, group that's been organized to help good those folks that are suffering from various kinds of dementia and their loved ones. So they get together 
uh, I don't know if it's once a week or how often they do it, but every so often I go in there and blab to them, and uh, it's fun being in their company. Uh, a lot of the good folks I've known for a, a long, long time, and it's uh, it's sad to see them uh, going through what they're going through, but it's uh, it makes it's amazing how these folks are going through this process. I know it just has to be so hard, and yet there were so many smiles. I'm driving home from there. It was boy meat squirrel. Uh, Thirteen lying ground squirrels scurried across the road in front of my Subaru. Uh, Colloquially, it's known as a striped gopher or squinny, especially in Iowa. They call them squinnies. Uh, less frequently known as a liner, a streaker, or a grinner. And I know a lot of things have been called grinners. I think possums are probably one that's very often called a grinner. But the 13 lying ground squirrels spends more of the year asleep than awake. Adults enter hibernation in August or September. So some of them will be going to sleep this month. And they don't wake up until April. And the females may remain awake longer than the males and young of the year longer than the adults. And the 13 line ground squirrel, true to its name, has a series of lines running down its back. It's a prairie species that has adapted well to roadsides, pastures, hayfields, ditches, golf courses. And during the summer, they're commonly seen on roadsides. Uh, the University of Minnesota teams are nicknamed the Golden Gophers, and the mascot, boy, it looks like a chipmunk, doesn't it? But I think it's likely a ground squirrel and not a gopher. It has stripes, and maybe the coaches would have enhanced recruiting success if young athletes could play for the Golden 13-line ground squirrels. Or maybe not. So it's just a thought. I uh, On the road now, I'm starting to look for gas on every drive. It's not because my car is getting such bad mileage. It's I see goldenrod, and soon I'll be seeing aster everywhere and sunflowers. Goldenrod, aster, sunflower, gas. Our roads change habitats. Roadkill provides food for crows, vultures, raptors, coyotes, all kinds of insects. And the ditches, they preserve prairie ecosystems from the plow and from development. So there is some good things out there. Uh, Lauren Manthe said, we live on a rural acreage north of Northfield. For the past three years, a Phoebe has nested under the deck. And the pair arrive in late April. They produce two broods. We enjoy their company, except they perch on my wife's hanging geranium hook and do their business, enough so that the poop yellowed five leaves this summer because we didn't have any rain to wash it off. (laughs) Each of the broods is three birds, which flit off, and we never see them again as we have 15 acres and plenty of trees and grass. Don't know if it's the parents or the kids returning. Perhaps they have a... Perhaps they have the same regimen as some human college graduates have with their parents. They go back to the same nest. The living is good. Keep up the great work. Well, Lauren, you keep up your great work. And it's likely 
it's the same ones coming back. You know, birds are short-lived, so it wouldn't necessarily, it could be one of the mates returns, it could be both of them, it could be one of the young ones has come back because something happened to the parents and they take over, but, you know, it, if they're having that good of luck raising babies there, they're going to come back and poop on your wife's geranium. That's probably part of the process, why they like it there. But, yeah, it's a pretty neat story, and we do see the same birds. Uh, Leo held, uh, like uh, not hold but held. I've known Leo for a long time. He was a pharmacist in Albert Lee, and he moved up to, uh, well, near Wasilla, Alaska, and he's been living up there at least in uh, summers for quite a number of years. And he was down, we were visiting, it was about 90 degrees here at the fair, at the Freeborn County Fair, and we were, he was sweating. Uh, he said it's been years since he experienced anything over 74 degrees. So he wasn't good with 90 degrees anymore. Uh, Gunner Berg of Albert Lee saw a black and white warbler. Uh, we are starting to see some of the warblers now. Black and white warblers are one of the first warblers we see in, uh, we call it the fall. The uh, Minnesota Ornithologist Union considers their fall season starts August 1st. So as far as reporting birds and things, if you do it August 1st, it's into the fall season. So he, uh, black and white warblers are, as you might think, they're black and white so it's kind of a it's a beautiful little bird uh jerry victoria of allendale has a scarlet tanager in his yard so he says beautiful male uh vicky laroon said right on time the first of august just when i realized i was missing the night sounds the crickets and the tree frogs began to sing it reminded me of this book, Joyful Noise, just for the fun of it, with poems for two readers still in love with the birds. And last week or the week before, we were talking about what kind of birds eat Baltimore, eat Japanese beetles. Yeah, are there some? Uh, because I want a whole flock. <laughs> uh, Carl Youngblood said he watched one day a few times as Baltimore Orioles were eating Japanese beetles. Oh. Hmm. So another reason to really like Baltimore Orioles, and these were the adults. There's a lot of things that eat the grubs, including, as I mentioned earlier, skunks and raccoons love the grubs of Japanese beetles. And so they they limit the population a little bit, but they do so by tearing up lawns. Mm -hmm. So they just rip everything up. When the raccoon rolls it up like sod, they do not roll it back down. They just walk away. They, uh, that's why they can't keep a job on a sod farm. They just they roll it up, but then they don't do anything with it. And fireflies. Uh, somebody uh, sent me a text said, what do fireflies eat? Well, the firefly larvae, they eat snails, worms, other insect larvae, and slugs. They are awesome. Slugs. I love them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I want more. Flies. And they inject them with a numbing chemical meant to disable, and then they eat them. Oh. The adults, the adults don't eat quite so much. They will on occasion eat other fireflies. A lot of them I see nectaring. They'll eat pollen. 
and some do not eat at all. But the firefly larvae, they're out there eating slugs, and somebody just called and said something is eating my hostas. Are those Japanese beetles? Have you seen Japanese beetles on your hostas, Karen? No, they they don't like hosta. I mean, that would surprise me if they were. They they Generally, the things that eat hostas are the slugs or cutworms. Yep. Yep. I told her there's they're slugs if they're still standing, the yeah. plants. So and I'd not seen Japanese beetles on, on hostas either. So I suppose tomorrow maybe I will because they seem to they seem just move from one plant to another. What is it, 300 and some plants they figure that they've been chewing on now, Japanese beetles. So they're incredible eating machines. I think of Canada geese, goslings as eating machines. It goes in one end, comes out in the other. They fertilize the lawn, just move along. But boy, Japanese beetles, they're just, I don't know what they, they well, hostas. Well, they, that's something they don't eat. So they far. must be cyclical because I noticed, you know, there's been some years when they've been so thick every day. I go out several times a day and pick them. And this season, I haven't hardly gone out at all and there haven't been very many. So are they cyclic or sick? You know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> I can't I even think say. All in, uh, I think Cyclical. all insects are. Uh, I I tend to think of the the multicolored Asian lady beetles when mm-hmm. they first hit here. They filled our houses. Yeah, you couldn't go outside and come in. They'd be all over you, and then you'd be in the house and. The cat doesn't like them because they smell, and they were just everywhere. The attic was filled with them, yeah. and now we still have them, but they're not bad. Uh, a lot of them are not only cyclical, but they spike. Yes. So when they first come in an area, they just say, holy cow, this is amazing. And so their numbers just go up, and then all of a sudden, things that don't normally eat them because they didn't know about Japanese beetle are eating them, like Baltimore Orioles. So maybe we'll have more and more birds will say, you know what, those things, they're kind of, they're tasty. So maybe uh, they do find some other things. And and when they get such high numbers as that, I I would guess they probably get a disease or something in certain populations, and it limits them again. So we do not, and as Micah said uh, last week or the week before, he's going out and he's, I think he's like vacuuming up, and all of a sudden he just he's not getting near as many as he right. did last year. So that's a good thing, and I'm hoping next year maybe he won't get any out there. You know, they're beautiful insects. They're uh, not as not as beautiful as a dogbane beetle, but uh, they they are really lovely. They got all those little white hairs, and you look at them the first time first time I saw them. And I I kind of figured out what they were because I heard they were coming. I don't remember what year that was, but I thought, wow, look at that beautiful beetle. And then that little light bulb (laughs) went uh, on above my head, and I thought, I bet these are the Japanese beetles I've been hearing about. So I went home and looked up a picture of them, and they, uh, they were still beautiful, but not not quite as beautiful as they had been before. So I have I, a question. Uh, I have a question about talking about sure. beetles. This spring, there was something that was hatching, and they were little red things. So I wasn't sure if they were, uh, what do you call, box elder beetles, or I weren't sure if the, what they were. But there was just hundreds and hundreds of them in an area, sort of in a under some leaves and things. But they were coming out. So what could that have been? They were some sort of a beetle. Uh, it was this spring, and they were red. At first, I was worried that they were 
the lily beetle, but they weren't. So they, thank goodness. What could they have been? I, I would uh, almost bet they were box elder bugs. Well, if and that's they, the uh, case, there's going to be a bumper crop because I have never <laughs> seen so many this spring that were born. And I thought, I wonder where they go now. And I have no idea. And I, too, have been seeing quite a few of them. And they are, uh, I like box elder bugs. They're, they're just, they're pretty insects. Do they harm really and anything I, or, or not? No, no, they just, they bug us as box yeah. elder bugs because they get, you know, the garage door goes up and all <laughs> of a sudden a bunch of them come in. And it's, we have cricket races here at our house. <laughs> uh, at the bottom of the garage door, it has like a broom all the way across that's supposed to keep stuff out. Yeah. Well, crickets get in there. And then when the garage door goes up, then they all race to get into the garage <laughs> somewhere. So it's, uh, it, they're cricket races. But box elder bugs, we see a lot of them. They, they have overwintering adults, and so they'll leave their hibernation areas when we get warm spring weather. And then they lay red eggs, as you might expect they would, very often in the, I think, probably pretty much always in the crevices of box elder bark and uh, but on the top of leaves and other objects so but they like that crevice in box elder bark and the nymphs are wingless uh, they're darker towards their heads and they have red abdomens and they will feed on leaves fruit soft seeds they have they, they look like they have beaks that they stick in those tissues, and they feed throughout the summer until they reach adulthood. But but and they the don't adult... seem to devastate anything that I'm aware of in terms of vegetables no. or any. So I mean, they aren't as awful as some other bugs and beetles. No, the adults emerge in midsummer, and then there's probably a second generation that matures in the fall. And how it becomes a problem again is they accumulate in residential areas in search of a favorable hibernation spot. So they like our attics, cellars, garages, and other per. Oh, they like under areas. the siding, I think, too, is a nice place where they go. They do, <laughs> and they are really red. I, I think, you know, people say, well, they're reddish-orange, but boy, when I see them, I think, ah, it's red. And then as they get older, then they turn more black with kind of a red outline on it. And when they die, they fall over with their legs crossed, just like they're in a <laughs> casket or something. And they just—I—I I like box elder bugs. I just—they don't bother me at all. And of all the things that come into my house, I think they'd be right up there with one of my favorites because they just don't <laughs> seem to bug me very much. Those multicolored Asian lady beetles drove me nuts. I'm a tea drinker. I like a couple of cups of tea in the morning. And they would go flying around, and they would invariably <laughs> dive right into my hot tea and, of course, yep. um, die and befoul my tea. So Ew. I would have to dump out the tea and wash out the cup, and I'd look around for them then. And finally I had to go with one of these things like a, a mug with a top on it just to keep oh, them sure. out of there. And they just, I don't know, they were like suicide bombers going into my tea. So they have not been one of my favorite insects. I, I, I don't hate them or anything, but I just wish they'd 
And we said go somewhere else. They're supposed to be out in the soybeans eating aphids. And <laughs> but just yeah, stay out do there. their jobs. Hey, Al, I've got a couple of texts I'd like to go sure. over here. So one is from our friend Jennifer. She says, hello, ma'am. Please ask the bird guy about double yolks and eggs. Do eggs with two yolks ever hatch into twins? It seems like there wouldn't be enough space in there. <laughs> yeah. We used to get them once in a while. It was always kind of a, oh, I don't know, excitement, I guess, on the farm when you give a double yoker. And we all had jokes about double yokers and everything else. Once in a while, we'd get a soft-shelled egg that was usually by a pullet. The pullet sometimes would lay really small eggs. But uh, once in a while, we'd get that double yoker, and we'd run around. And we usually, uh, oh, you know, we were farmers, so we usually ended up eating it. But it, do they hatch? I had been told, and I don't know if it was my father told me or another elder in my family, that the, it's a rare occurrence, but two chicks can hatch oh. from the same egg. Wow. And I hope that's right, because um, I think it was my dad told me, you know, and he was a father, so he was never wrong. Uh, it's... The thing was that one, usually one embryo would outcompete the other, and only one chick would survive to hatch. Uh, many times, both embryos would die before they're hatching. And I don't know of, I've never heard of any Siamese twin chicks ever being hatched, and they've developed from, I just don't think there is, but a double yoked egg, it has. Two yolks. I bet most of you probably figured that out. And many eggs with double yolks occur when young adult hens first start producing eggs. And their egg-forming organs aren't properly adjusted or synchronized yet, so two yolks are released together. And uh, shortly after they really get into egg production, their bodies adjust, and then they lay eggs with one yolk. So I have heard that the two hap- you can get two out of it, and I hope that's true. I haven't seen a double yoker since I quit having chickens. So, <laughs> Hey, Jennifer's got another question. Actually, it's her daughter. So here's a question from a 5-year-old for you, Al. She says, also, okay. my 5-year-old listens to the show with me. This morning, she cool. heard a bird calling and wanted me to ask you guys if it was a hawk, a bald eagle, or some other kind of big bird. I tried to explain that you couldn't identify a bird call without hearing it, but she wasn't having it. She thinks you can. Please say hello to her. Her name is Lily, and she likes birds. And tell her which kind of bird it was. Your best guess without hearing it. We're in Wells, Minnesota, if that helps your guess. Sounded like a hawk to me. So, hello, Lily. And uh, so she wants to know, do you think it was, based on where she lives, was it a hawk, a bald eagle, or some other kind of big bird? Lily, thanks for listening. Man, I am glad I know you uh, via the radio airwaves. And I, I, it's, I'm going to say a red-tailed hawk, Lily, and uh, I hope I'm right. I have been right before, uh, oh, twice, I think. So, uh, again, thanks for listening, and I'm going to go with a hawk. Okay, very good. Appreciate that. And thanks for listening, Lily. We appreciate it. You may be one of our younger uh, listeners, so that is awesome. I also have a text here from John in New Ulm, and he said he saw two pileated woodpeckers on his tree at his dad's house in Andover, 
And he said, and the New Alm Journal, by the way, did a full-page article about John and movies, because you know John works at the movie theater. He says, I think tomorrow is Elvis's death anniversary. Maybe you can play Suspicious Minds. He says, live from a city called New Alm, John. P.S. KUIC TV stopped by the theater one day also. So John's becoming famous over there. Wow. Hey, John, I, I look forward to that. I, I do get the New Alm paper, so I, I have to add that I get it about a week late, but I do get it, and I do peruse it, so uh, I will look forward to reading about you. I hope it hadn't already gone by and I missed it. I'm thinking if it's been in the last week, I probably haven't read it yet, but I will. So thank you, John, for letting us know, and um, I'm glad you're becoming famous, and we'll all say, boy, we knew John way back when, Yeah. so that'll be a good thing. A listener said, "I, uh, you mentioned the, the man from Northfield who has Phoebe's. Why do Phoebe's wag their tails? Hmm. I was looking at one out my window here earlier, and it flew in there, and it wags its tail. And you'd think, why is it doing that? Well, they eat insects, so flying insects is probably going to wag its tail to scare some insects so they fly up in the air so the Phoebe can go get it. That's what you'd think. A study, oh, I can't remember where the fellow was. He was out west somewhere. He did a study on this tail pumping, and he said that it informed predators that the Phoebe is aware of them. So he said it didn't wag its tail until a predator came. So obviously this bird then that was out my window is seeing some sort of predator or what he perceives as a predator, and perhaps that was me. I could have been the perceived predator. Uh, Other birds dip, wag, teeter, bob, or pump their tails. Uh, I'm thinking palm warblers, pippets, wagtails. They'd have to, but wagtails. Spotted sandpipers, water thrush, hermit thrushes, American kestrels, and others. And why do they call attention to their south ends? I see American kestrels when they're on utility wires bobbing their tails, so I'm thinking, well, you know, it must be to maintain balance. Uh, Maybe some are doing it as threat awareness as a Phoebe does, and some of those have to be doing it to startle prey into motion. It just makes so much sense to a human, but that's the problem. I'm a human, not an avian species. They've got their own reasons for doing them. And I think many of those reasons are still unknown. And until we can get one that will tell us. But they'll keep studying them. And it's good that we do a study conducted in Germany. I read about this. I can't remember when I read about it. But I just thought it was so great. Found the more we see and hear birds chirping and singing, the happier we are. There was a team at a, oh gosh, the German Center for integrative biodiversity research and probably some other words in there too discovered that being surrounded by a variety of birds offers increasing life satisfaction comparable to 150 dollars a week of added income i don't remember how they came but i remember the 150 dollars a week so i thought well it's sure worth looking at birds for 150. I think that's well worth it. So, so when you're out there looking at birds today, you're not only just enjoying yourself, you are doing good things for your health, 
and it probably makes you a better, more productive worker as well. So there's all kinds of great things about looking at birds, and those are just those are just a couple of the, the minor ones, I think. Uh, the last one I have here is uh, somebody said uh, loons on our lake. Now, they didn't say where the lake was. It'd be up, I'm guessing, northern Minnesota. Had three eggs in its nest, in their nest. Is that common? Uh, they generally have two eggs, that's for sure. Uh, clutches of three or four eggs are rare, and they're likely from two females. So two females have laid eggs in that nest. Or there are two clutches laid at separate times by one or two females. So it does happen, but you have a pretty rare occurrence there, and thanks for sharing it with us. Uh, Karen, I'm proud of you. All those ribbons. <laughs> I'm sorry your husband didn't get as many. I was rooting for him. I hope he keeps trying, you know, and doesn't give up. And But uh, you're a good example for him, so he keeps going. And there we I, go. I, uh, I hope you do well at the State Fair. Hey, thanks, everybody, for sitting on the front porch with us. My parents enjoyed the Lawrence Welk Show. Welk said, wonderful, wonderful, a one, a two, and thank you, boys and girls. While maintaining this roster of regulars, including the champagne lady, I should say champagne ladies, because he had a couple of them, Alice Lawn and Norma Zimmer, the names I remember, he had the lovely Lennon sisters who were paid $110 apiece per week. And accordionist Myron Florin, Larry Hooper, his trademark deep bass voice, uh, deep bass voice, I don't think he had a fish there, <laughs> deep bass voice sang This Old House. He had a pianist by the name of Big Tiny Little Junior, a gravel voice trumpeter, Rocky Rockwell, and Dick Dale, an Algona, Iowa native who was a singer and a saxophone player. My mother was from Algona, so they had to watch for Dick Dale if for no other reason. Each Saturday night, Welk's theme music, Bubbles in the Wine, played as soap bubbles swirled behind the band. And interestingly, not one musician was injured by bubbles. And I kept watching. Why? Because I hoped the Rolling Stones might be surprise guests. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Remember, Heartland is well worth driving past. Uh, get out there and do something wild today. Look at a bird. Thank you, as always, Karen, for your wonderful company. Thank you, Al. We'll chat with you next week. Have a great rest of your day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.